continue to praise him today. Amen. Every praise belongs to our Lord. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together this morning? Amen. I know it's raining out there. Come on. Every praise is to our God. Yes, my Lord. Oh, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship.
praise to our God and our only God. Amen.
honor your great name today. Holy is the Lord. Would you join me this morning? Just worshiping him, giving him praise. Holy is the Lord. Awesome is our God. Amazing, amazing is our God. We worship you today. We lift you high today. Lord, we just speak your name, the name that is above every single name. Lord, there's no one that rules over you. You rule over all, not only today, but in ages past and ages to come, Lord. You rule and you reign. You set every planet in place, every star, every galaxy. God, you are awesome. And we recognize you today. Awesome is the Lord. Awesome is the Lord. Awesome is the Lord. God, I thank you that we can worship you in singing today. That we can use our voices, we can use our bodies, our mind to worship who you are. And we love you. And I pray that in this place, that your name, and your name alone would be the name that would be above every name. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. It's great to see you today. You get an extra, extra, um, extra credit today because you came to church and it's raining out, you know? I mean, isn't it just easier to stay home, right? No, no, not for you guys. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to worship. I'm going to be with with uh, fellow believers. And uh, I just want to encourage you this morning. Let's take a few minutes and greet each other. God bless you as you do that today. Well, again, good morning. Welcome to Praise Assembly. It is so glad. To, we're so glad to see you today. And if you are a guest today, there's a Connect card in front of you in that seat back right there. And uh, this helps us do exactly what the title is, to connect with you. And uh, if you would like us to be able to reach out to you and just be able to thank you for being here and maybe some information you need, this is a great opportunity. So if you could fill that out uh, and bring it at the conclusion of our worship service to our guest uh, services desk out in the lobby, that would be excellent. Ushers, if you'd come today, and, and the ushers, I believe you're aware, we're going to have two offerings today. So this is our normal offering, our tithe and offering. We're going to be talking about the second one in just a moment. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you in this way in giving. And I pray that you would bless this uh, moment right here. God, we've done it so many times. If, if anybody here has been a Christian for a, uh, even a decent amount of time, they've had a lot of opportunities to give. But today is a new day. And Lord, so we give uh, fresh from our hearts. We give fresh from uh, our, the resources that you provided. And I pray that today it would be an act of worship. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Stronger 
several announcements today. Um, if you got your bulletin when you came in, I hope you did. We have a few on here that are super important. Um, first one is the Rocky Challenge is coming up. How many remember last year? Um, and we, we, we had the Rocky Challenge raising money for our Speed the Live project. That's coming up on the 19th of, uh, of August. And so uh, that's coming up quick. You're going to be in the, in the coming weeks, you're going to have students going to come to you for sponsorships. You guys were incredible last year and being willing to sponsor people. So just a note that is coming up quickly. And when you see the students coming out for sponsors, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about our Speed of Light project coming soon. Uh, how many were at our Wednesday night adult study? How many were here? Yeah, a whole bunch. I think it was at least 60 of us um, there the other night. Um, Compassion Without Compromise. Uh, it, is, uh, it is an incredible study by Dr. Linda, St Linda Seiler. And she's really talking about the issues of sexuality for our day. And so if you haven't been able to make it out, you, maybe you missed that first night, don't worry about it. Come on out this Wednesday night and you'll be able to jump right in and uh, see what's happening with that. And then we have a bunch of things coming up here quickly, right, Dwight? We got some things, we got some stuff happening here. Um, we got the men's cookout August 5th. That's coming up quickly. Actually, I should probably go in order, shouldn't I? Okay, so we got the ladies' morning out on the July 21st at 11.30 at Bertucci's. And so that's coming up July 21st. And July 22nd, the next day, which is that Saturday, is the Ranger Kids Summer Fun Day. Ranger Kids aren't allowed to, because of their age, can't go on some of these campouts. So this is an opportunity for them to have an incredible day. So if you have a Ranger Kid, this is a day you want them to come on out and be a part of that at 9.30. Men's Cookout is on August 5th. Uh, that's coming up from 11 to 3 at the Walters. It's going to be crabs, burgers, swimming, horseshoes, archery, fun, fellowship, fireworks. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Just all kinds of different things. Um, and then the Girls' Ministry Honor Ceremony will be on August 30th at 7 p.m., which is a Wednesday night. So those are some of the things that are happening here uh, soon. So that is the final announcement I have. My final, final announcement is this, is that uh, last week we took an offering for Convoy of Hope and uh, specifically targeting the needs in Ukraine. And um, some of you had an opportunity to give, but others have asked, hey, we're doing that again. So I want to let you know, we're going to watch a, we're going to watch a video, a network video on their coverage of what Convoy of Hope is doing. But you can give online. If you go onto our uh, site right now, you go up to resources, giving. Um, it'll have a giving button for Convoy of Hope. It may say one day to feed the world. That's okay. Just give uh, on that button there, and, the, and our bookkeeper will know that it's for, designated specifically for Ukraine. You can give online. You can give cash, check, uh, whatever you like. But let's check out this video and see what God's doing through Convoy of Hope in Ukraine of Ukrainians are still struggling to get food and basic supplies for their families. Aid organizations on the ground are traveling hundreds of miles to deliver supplies to those in need and their drive often dangerous because their trucks are prime targets for attacks and shelling. NBC News correspondent Ellison Barber joins us now from Bucha, Ukraine with more on their mission. Good morning, Ellison. Hey, Vicki, a lot of neighborhoods around the Kiev area look like this. Very little of key infrastructure items left. This right here, you see the green 
That is a shopping cart. This used to be a supermarket. It is gone in other areas. It's impossible to get aid in because there's so much shelling. Russia in this war, they have a history of not honoring humanitarian corridors, so-called green corridors. But in spite of that, aid groups like Convoy of Hope are still making the dangerous trek to neighborhoods like this and beyond, trying to get aid to people who need it the most. We have the chance to follow them. Their journey started in Poland. 117 days in. Each day brings new images of war upending Ukrainians' everyday lives. Impact that extends beyond the bombs and bloodshed. The World Food Program says one in three Ukrainian households are now food insecure. NGOs like Convoy of Hope are working tirelessly to ease that burden. But procuring and delivering humanitarian aid to a war-torn country is never easy. For Christian Rodriguez and his team, meal delivery in Bucha starts 355 miles away in Poland. So does our plan to follow a box of a Ukrainian staple, buckwheat. We get about 10 truckloads of food every single week. We watched a tractor trailer begin to make the long journey east. So we try to go as far east as we can, depending on safety. How risky is the journey to get aid? to eastern Ukraine. Very risky. A drive full of checkpoints we can't film on a route we can't show you because doing so could make a risky drive deadly. Have you had any instances where a truck is trying to get in somewhere and they've been attacked, shelled, or anything along those lines? Yes, and that's where we get requests for things like bulletproof vests, for helmets, just for the drivers, just to be safe. Who are the drivers that you're working with? Ukrainian people. This trip is a success. Volunteers unload pallet after pallet and separate the aid into bags, each one with a box of buckwheat. Poor people, uh, they no job, no money. Smaller vans will take the aid onto harder to reach communities, ravaged by war. As volunteers transfer the final bags, they send it off with a song. Over 600 people showed up for this distribution. There's only enough food for half. We saw the desperation, the fear, and frustration when the aid ran out, and the relief of those who got it. My young children don't understand what's happening, but my oldest son knows that it's very difficult to get the food we used to be able to eat all the time. With three growing children, this food won't last long. A lot of people say me, we are help a lot. Yes, you help, you help, but war not stop. We need help. Ellison, uh, these groups are obviously doing God's work. What are they saying about how long they can keep up this support? Well, so this particular group told us they have plans right now to be here for at least another two years, but they think there's the potential that they need to go and stay well beyond that, in addition to working in other countries where there are other humanitarian crises, other natural disasters. One of the things to just keep in mind as we're talking about humanitarian aid in Ukraine is that you have some places where even humanitarian groups are not allowed to access. You look at a place like Mariupol. It's controlled by Russian forces now. The Ukraine 
Ukrainian mayor says there are still 100,000 people there and they have very limited access to drinking water. He says they're having to wait in line to get water once a week, sometimes, oftentimes, waiting up to eight hours just to get water. So you have aid groups like this that are desperate to bring whatever they can into those communities, but there simply aren't many options to get inside. Vicki? Allison Barber on the ground in Bucha bringing us these important stories. Allison, thank you. Wow, praise God for, um, for your giving, your sacrifice. It enables them to be able to have the resources to get in to these hard-to-reach places. So let's pray, and we're going to take the second offering. If that's on your heart to do today, then again, you can give online or give in this offering here. Lord, we want to say thank you for the opportunity to show compassion, the opportunity to share what you've given us. And I pray you would continue to bless the leadership in Ukraine, continue to give wisdom. Lord, bless the people. Lord, the believers in Ukraine, empower them. Provide every need that they have and empower them to bring you uh, wherever they are, wherever they go. And Lord, we thank you for uh, causing this war to come to a halt and an end. Lord, we know that there is uh, so many complexities, so many aspects, personalities, spirits, powers involved. But God, you are above them all. And we ask that in your name that you would do a miracle there today. In Jesus' name, amen.
you are worthy, God. And you are able, Lord, in this situation in Ukraine, Father, we come, Jesus, in your name. Lord, we pray for deliverance in your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are great and you do great things. You are able, Lord. Do you believe with me this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's sing with him today. Oh, he's the name. Oh, yes, my Lord. thank you today, man. Thank you, worship team. We appreciate you guys. And in that, in that vein of worship, in that vein of, um, of seeing people do things that bring glory and praise to the name of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 17, reads this way. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a light is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Lord, we just say thank you for your word today. Let it find a place in our hearts that changes us. In Jesus' name, amen. Not that you have a choice, but can I be honest with you today? Oftentimes, maybe not oftentimes, sometimes more than I'd care to admit, I kind of want people to know when I did a good deed. 
I hate to admit that. I wish it wasn't so at all. I, I mean, you know, maybe not right away or even in a bold way, but I want them to know secretly that maybe I did it. Can anybody relate to me here, please? Just any one hand, just one hand. Please, anyone. Thank you. I mean, even at home, you know, I might wait until the end of the day or the day after, but maybe I'll bring up something extra I did to Jody. Just, just so she knows. I mean, aren't I pitiful? Isn't that pathetic? But you do it too, right? Sometimes. You know, I'll, I'll say, mow the lawn. Lawn looks good. How did it get that way? Oh, me. I did that. Um, kitchen's clean. How did it get? Oh, I, I did that. Uh, laundry made it in the basket. That was me. I called your dad this week to say hi. You know what I mean? The list can go on and on, you know. We want to, maybe, maybe we're looking for a compliment. Maybe we're looking for approval. Maybe we're looking for validation. Uh, maybe we're looking to just fill some kind of void that's there. I, I don't know. Um, but we want people to say things maybe to this effect. I couldn't have, done, couldn't have done it without you. Maybe at work that's your, you know, I couldn't have done it without you. Well, you want to hear that at home. Or you're a lifesaver. Or you're the best. And even for those of you that really could, you say you could care less about what anybody thinks or says, it's actually a lot. It's not true. You just receive that in different ways. It's not maybe uh, that particular way, but there's a way that you want people to notice or someone in particular to notice and to recognize. And there's nothing wrong with appreciating, with recognizing, but I think I, I hate to admit that in my own life about praise and recognition. And probably the reason I hate to admit it is because Ultimately, at the end of the day, when I look at my life, I, I really know where the praise belongs. And maybe, maybe that's you. you. You know, you've been diligent, you've been faithful, but behind all that, I mean, hasn't God just been faithful in your life? He, hasn't he kept you in health to be able to do that? Hasn't he given you the, the wisdom and the intelligence to do that? So even if we want to take credit or be recognized for things, at the end of the day, we know especially as a believer, we know where praise really belongs, and it really belongs to God. And Isaiah 42.8 says this, and this is what God says, and you may disagree with God about this or not like or think he's arrogant for saying this, but he is God. And, and there's, a, there's a reason that always boils down to our good, our benefit, uh, that he says these things. I am the Lord. And that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor will I share praise with carved idols. All over the book of De Deuteronomy, God says, I am a jealous God. I'm not going to share you. I'm not going to share your heart with anyone else, with an idol 
made of gold or diamonds or stone or shiny headlights out in the parking lot or a job. I'm not going to share you. I'm a jealous God. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and that's the passage we just read, Jesus is clear that our good deeds should shine for all to see so that praise is brought to our Father in heaven. Isn't, I mean, isn't that really what it's all about? At the end of the day, the why we serve in the ministries we serve in, why we go on missions trips, all these things, it's, it's so that God can be given praise through our lives. And, uh, <clears throat> but isn't there a problem with this, though? A little bit later in this same message, the Sermon on the Mount, a little bit later, aren't we, aren't we told in chapter 6, one, verse 1 through 6, about prayer and giving that, that you should not be seen doing these good deeds and you shouldn't allow your left hand to know what your right hand is doing. And I mean, isn't, isn't, that a, isn't that in complete opposite of what Jesus is saying? Doesn't he say one thing and then just flip it around and contradict himself? See, the motivation Jesus addresses in Matthew 6 that I just mentioned about not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing, the, the motivation is to be seen and admired. And that's kind of what maybe we can be guilty of. You're doing something that you know is a good thing or a right thing or a godly thing, and you kind of keep doing it until that one person sees you and you're like, oh, hi, you know, and you're doing that thing. I praise God just doing that thing, <laughs> you know. Maybe you're posting something, and there's a lot of slick ways we do this, but you're po now you're going to be paranoid about what you post. You know, you're going to be posting something, you know, Praise God for the opportunity to serve the King of Kings as you have like, you know, a piece of wood in your hand and you're serving or you're handing out something, you know. And it's like you're giving praise to God, but there's just, but you're in it, you're in the picture, you know. And uh, there's all kinds of, you know, thank the Lord for so-and-so and all they're doing and I've been able to work with them today. We're, yeah, okay. Agree with me, disagree with me, but there's all kinds of ways that you and I can kind of, Take a little bit of the praise, a little bit of the glory. And uh, maybe leaving evidence out of what you've done so somebody will take notice. As you can tell, I've had experience with some of these things. I, I, I understand all these. But you know what I mean. You get what I mean. Uh, there's a, there was an ingenious developer uh, um, uh, for uh, uh, a home builder. And uh, <laughs> he would... He would, um, he would tell his, his employees, all his carpenters and different, different tradesmen he, he, uh, he hired, that after every neighborhood they built, that the, uh, the employee that showed just the, the hardest working, the, the most excellence in his work, that one of the streets in the neighborhood would be named after that person. And, uh, you know, just to kind of motivate them, you could always say, hey, that's my street right there. And uh, it actually reminds me of the U2 song, you know, Where the Streets Have No Name. You know that song? Where the Streets Have No Name. You want me to sing it for you? Yeah, that's not going to happen. So uh, I, I was actually driving around in the Rock Hall, Maryland area, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the side street, and there's a street with a green sign, No Name. That's it, that, it said No Name, Where the Streets Have No Name. It was unbelievable. Just thought I'd add that in there for no apparent reason. But... Uh, but yeah, so one of, those employee, uh, one of those employees got a street named after them. 
So the motive in Matthew 6 is to be seen, to be admired. But the motive in Matthew chapter 5, 16 is that our Father in heaven would be praised. And uh, it's the type of things that we might do, like uh, hearing about a need when no one's around, just hearing about this need through an email or a phone call or a text or you see it on the news or whatever it might be. And you just stop and you just, no one's around, but you just stop and, and you pray and say, God, would you intervene? Would you show your power? Would you do something incredible here? It's doing that act quietly in a way that no one can find out or recognize that it's you. It's meeting that need anonymously. See, I think it's clear that when we need to be seen or noticed, we get that. But I also think it's clear that when things want to bring praise to God, when we do things in order that God will be given praise, those kind of things are different. And I would say what Convoy is doing is, is incredible. Um, bringing very, uh, uh, very real need, meeting the very real needs of people. That's powerful. Uh, our missions teams providing uh, work and labor to be able to accomplish things that ministry can go on. Those are powerful, important, necessary things. Our youth ministry, last Sunday, we had students um, in Philadelphia. We worked with uh, Philly, um, Philly Dream Center and went over to Kensington for a couple hours in that one neighborhood, just, just trying to love people, you know, just trying to show, show them the love of God, praying for needs they may have. And those are all important, all powerful. But what, what if the deeds that we do that are the ones that really bring praise to God are even different than those we would traditionally think of, handing out food, doing those things, which of course are essential and important. Well, going back to Matthew 5, I believe Jesus is talking about, again, more than just good Christian acts, which again have real value. If I pick up trash for all to see, if I walk older ladies across the street, if I help someone on the side of the road, do people really, really praise God? Do people walk by and go, praise God? for that guy picking up trash, you know? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and I walk by, I'll drive and I don't, if I see somebody doing a good deed, I don't say, praise God for them doing that. Do we really do that? Is it more than just that? And a few moments ago, I read Matthew chapter five, verse 13 through 17. However, there's a backstory. There's a stuff that happened before this that to really get the full weight of what we just read in verse 16, we need to understand, Jesus is becoming very popular, very popular. He is healing people, doing miraculous things, casting out demons. His popularity is stretching all the way to Syria. And he's gathering a very large following. But one day his crowds are gathering and he goes up onto a mountainside and he sits down. And his disciples gather around, and I'm sure there were more that ended up gathering because there were so many people there. But he begins to teach them. And this is the, what's famously known by us as the Sermon on the Mount. So here's Jesus, and he begins to teach them about what a truly blessed life 
looks like. And the disciples have the front row seat to that. They're sitting there. And he teaches them what a blessed life is like. He says, you're in a good place. You're blessed when you're poor. You're mourning. You act humbly. You hunger and thirst for what is right. You are merciful. You are pure-hearted. You work for peace. And you are persecuted for doing what is right and for following him, Jesus. And after he lists these, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Right on the heels of these. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And he says, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say, hey, you bring and pour out salt on this earth. He doesn't say, you shine and bring light into this world. He says, no, you are these things. You are salt. You are light. If, you've, if you're a, a man and you've been in the men's room over here, there's a, there's a framed poster that says, be these. I actually took a selfie of myself. I thought I'd put it on there, but I, I just didn't mess with it. But I took a selfie this week with that picture. Be these, and there's a salt shaker and a light bulb. How many have seen that before over there? We are these things. And I would contend this morning that that list that I just read about being poor and mourning and humility and thirsting for righteousness, all these things, and how to really live a blessed life is a list or is the list that makes us salt to the earth and makes us the light of the world. <clears throat> now notice that salt and light in this context, in this passage that we just read earlier, is very personal. It says, if salt has lost its flavor, you don't know if salt has lost its flavor unless you taste it. Um, last night, I cooked a couple ribeyes on the grill. And uh, just so you know, uh, Food Lion, Thursdays are a good day. They have discounted meat, just to let you know. It's not bad meat. Uh, it's just about ready to sell it, and you can get some serious discounts. I'm just telling you. I'm just letting it out there. But had a couple ribeyes, cooked them, and if I didn't put anything on them, I mean, I would still eat it. I would still eat it. By the way, don't let me forget to have something for you after service. Okay. But, man, when you put salt and a little pepper on there, Maybe garlic salt or garlic powder. Ah, yeah, when you, do, when you add that to it, especially the salt, it just, it just changes it. It just changes it. Salt really changes everything that way. But you have to taste it. It's very personal. You don't, you don't go, yeah, that's salty. No, you got to put it, you got to literally take it in you. It's right there. You got to do that. He talks about light there and the light in a house. That's, you know, you don't just have anybody in your house. You don't just let people walk in your house randomly. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. But you don't, you don't just have random people. You know, before I lived here, uh, we had a house uh, in, in, in Kent County in the country, and we didn't lock our doors very much. I know that seems weird to some of you, and some of you, you're like, that's how I live too. But I, I don't want just anybody walking in my house. That's why I have a big dog, because if you walk in my house, he will let you know, Robert Boyer, he'll let you know, why are you here? Why are you here? That's a, that's, a long, that's a funny story. That's a funny story. That's a, I'll tell you later. It's a funny story. Robert came over to help me with something, didn't realize the dog was there, and the dog sure knew Robert was there. But anyways, 
But these are very personal things. Tasting salt, experiencing light is a very personal thing. And uh, when you live a life up close to others, close enough for them to experience the saltiness of your life, the light of your life, certain things, certain things are displayed. See, a desperate need for God and his presence, more than a desperate need for approval or control or security, that is when we're being salt and light. When people can see in our life and we display a brokenness over your sin and the sins of the world around you, that is being salt and light. When there's a humility in our interactions and relationships at work and at home, man, that is salt and that is light. When there's a deep desire for what is right and good, so much that we have to do something about it, that is being salt and light. When there is mercy communicated, given to others as freely as we ask God for his mercy in our own lives, that is being salt and light. When there's a heart that refuses to be tainted by the standards and the patterns of this world, but lives as a slave obedient to Christ, that is salt and light. When there's a life that works towards peace with those who have hurt and even offended us, that is being salt and light. And when there's an endurance in the midst of doing what's right and even suffering because of it, you are being salt and light. See, lives lived with these attitudes, we would call them the Beatitudes. They actually bring praise to God. Now, I can go to Kensington, and that's fine. I can do all kinds of things there. That's great. I can do things here. You can do things there. That's, that's necessary, important, essential. But the things, the deeds that cause people to praise our Father in heaven are oftentimes the things that people get to be up close in your life and to experience because of what, of God, what God has done in you. You know, again, the deeds, the acts, the outreaches we participate in as a church are super important. We don't need to stop doing those. We need to continue to do those. But when it comes to the power of God, working and moving. There's nothing like seeing someone watching you show mercy instead of revenge. There's nothing like the power of somebody seeing you broken over sin and repenting in your own life. There's nothing like seeing the power of someone observing you working for peace in your work, uh, in a relationship uh, at home or at work. And there's nothing like the power of someone seeing you endure wrong, depending on God to be your defense. See, these are the deeds that will cause people to praise God and consider Jesus. Um, it's so often not the traditional good things that we do that people praise God, but the deep and inner workings that God has done in your life. Verse 17, Jesus clarifies something. And he says this, don't misunderstand why I've come. So he, he mentioned all these beatitudes. He talks about all these things. And then he says, you're the salt of the earth. 
You're the light of the world. You know, let your, let your deeds shine before men that they would praise you, uh, praise your Father in heaven. And then he says this, don't misunderstand why I've come. He's clarifying something. Jesus was constantly misunderstood, constantly. His disciples misunderstood why he came. They thought he's coming to overthrow Rome, to establish the nation of Israel again, to bring us to our rightful place of freedom. He was misunderstood by them. He was misunderstood by the religious leaders. They thought he was a troublemaker, only in it for the popularity, maybe even a heretic, misunderstood. He's even misunderstood by his own birth family, trying to control him. Remember those passages where Jesus, your, your mother, is outside. Your father's, your mother, your brothers are outside. They want to see you. Who's, who, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? You know, there's a, there's a desire uh, to control him there. People misunderstood Jesus often. But Jesus stated he didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the prophets. He came to accomplish, to fulfill their purpose. See, the law required observances upholding standards, sacrifices, obeying the law and the prophets, the outward acts of righteousness uh, is not what made them salt and light and is not what makes you salt and light. See, these things that I talked about earlier that we might do, we might participate in, we might be a part of, those should accompany someone who is salt and light. But these are not the things that will cause people to praise God in heaven. That power belongs to the Spirit. And if you've ever, uh, I know that Chuck has led a bunch of missions trip uh, teams over the years, and many of you have participated. Haven't you found it to be true that you're like, I get way more out of this trip than, than I ever feel like I give anybody? I mean, you might do a lot of work, get a lot of things done, whether you've done a, 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 a trip where you're working or a trip where your, your, your primary focus is evangelizing, whatever it might be, but you feel like, man, God does so much more inside of me on these trips, and I feel like I can give anybody. Like, God opens my eyes to see. I had a, a young woman who just, uh, in, in our youth ministry, just texted me uh, the other day uh, about that trip to Philadelphia and how impacting it was for her and how important that was for her. She's the one going to serve, but somehow God just flips it around on us, and he just does something inside of us. But yet when we're living with these attitudes that we just read about, and we're living up close to people so they can see the light from our life and experience the taste of what our life is like, it has a powerful impact to be able to change their perspective on God and to bring praise and to bring worship to him. Paul makes it clear to the Galatians what the purpose of the law is. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 through 22. Why then was the law given? Good question. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us a new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. 
but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promises of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Amen? So we see the purpose of the law was that. And the audience Jesus was speaking to on this mountainside this day had spent their whole lives believing that obedience to the law, its standards, its rules, its deeds is what had made them light. But Jesus is showing that and in his kingdom that they're beginning to understand that they really haven't wrapped their minds around yet. There's a different economy that they did not know before. Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. See, God's saying this. God's saying, would you let the things I do inside of you in your life spill out to those close to you so that they will come to know me and to praise my name? You know, so many times as believers and as Christians and, and probably even uh, especially pastors, we can be fooled to think that if, if we want to do more uh, or if we want good things to happen, it requires there to be more and faster and more and faster and more. Even the uh, psychologist uh, Rollo May, he's an existential psychologist, made this observation. It is an old ironic habit of human beings to run faster when we have lost our way. It is, an, it is a, a habit it is a, that, that we tend to run faster. When we've lost our way, we just go quicker. We just move faster. When you feel like you've lost your, your way in a marriage, your tend is to just, well, let me just kind of do some more maybe. I'll fix it this way. And it may be something very different that needs attention. I think American churches as a whole, we have probably lost our way and we are depending on events we're depending on captivating media. We're depending on appearances to impact the culture that we live in instead of the deep, transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives observed, observed by people who live close to us. See, you and I are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Not because of us, but because of who lives in us, for those that believe, for who's working in you, you are salt. You bring flavor wherever you go. You bring light wherever you go. That's what you are. You bring that with you because of what Christ has done. I want to close with a story. And if Heather, if you could come to the keyboard, that'd be great. I appreciate it. I may have told this story before, and if I have, just I apologize, but... I had the privilege of leading my father to, to Christ. Um, his name was Jose Quinones, and he raised me from the age of three up. And uh, he loved me as a, as, a, as a father, and I loved him as, my, as a father, and he loved me as a son. But I had prayed for him. When I came to know Jesus, I prayed for him for quite a while. And he was always a very inquisitive person. He was... Um, he had questions about aliens. He had questions about the Mayans. He's from Guatemala. He had the questions about the Mayans. And he had questions about calendars. And he had questions about Zodiac things. And he had so many questions. I, I just, I felt like I'd, I'd never had the answers to all his unending questions. And just because of how he was raised, 
how his brain worked from a different culture. He would, he would look at things different than I did and he would value things different. It was just very difficult in that realm to really answer his questions or be able to have a conversation that, that I felt like I was helping. So I went away to college to train for ministry, felt God's call in my life. And I thought, man, I'm getting all these answers now, right? I know, I know, man, I know the gotcha answers, you know. Sha! Bring them with a Bible verse here, gotcha with that, you know. I, I, know, I know it. And I'd come home on break and we'd have, he still had all his questions and I would bring out these answers and talk about this passage and, and this philosophy and, you know, and all these things. And it just seemed like it literally, I, I liked talking to him in general, but I, I enjoyed the conversation, but it was very frustrating because I always felt like I'm not getting anywhere. Like I'm just having these crazy conversations that don't really end anywhere. They don't, they don't seem to produce anything good. And no matter how much I learned or how much I grew in my knowledge of the Word of God, it just seemed like it was never enough. So, in my 30s, he developed diabetes, type 2 diabetes. You wouldn't have known it looking at him. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a, a very big guy at all, but he developed diabetes, and it was, it was in the early stages. And one day he woke up, and his vision was really off. And so he, uh, he said, hey, Hans, can you take me to the, to the hospital? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll take you. He's like, something's not right. And we're driving there, and he's like, Hans, I can't hardly see anything. And... I said, well, Papa, let's just, let's just pray. So I just grabbed his hand, and I just started praying. I just started praying, God, would you heal Papa today? Would you just minister to his eyes, whatever's happening in his body? You know, that's how I prayed, very earnest. And all of a sudden, he says, pull over. I pulled the car over, and he says, it's, my vision's coming back. And so he's, he's sitting, he's looking around. He's very, I mean... If you've ever gone blind, it's very, very terrifying, I'm sure. He was, it was very, very unnerving for him. So he, he says, my vision's starting to come back. After about 10 or 15 minutes, he was seeing normal again. And that, you know, I, I don't know what God had done. I just know we prayed, and a few minutes later, this, this happened. And I looked at him, and I said, Papa, are you ready to accept Jesus yet? He said, yeah, I am. I've been talking to this man for like forever. So we prayed, and I led him in prayer. We still went to the hospital, but led him in prayer. And on the side of the road in Abington, Massachusetts, my father accepted Christ right there in the car. I didn't, I didn't see that coming for anything. Well, time went by, maybe a couple of few years, and I asked him, I said, I said, why did it take you so long? <laughs> what was, what was, I mean, what was the difference maker, you know, for you? What, you know, was it, was it something like a conversation we had or you had with somebody else or was it? And he said, no. He said it was watching your life. <clears throat> watching you change. Watching you, uh, he didn't say become more like Jesus, but he said, why shouldn't you become what a Christian should be? 
And uh, and that day really solidified some things in me because pastors talk a lot, right? It's what we do. It's what we have to do. We have to talk. We have to know answers. We have to give advice. We have to pray. We, we talk a lot. But that solidified in me that as Christians, that the things that God does inside of you, that you allow him to do, that you work with him, those powerful things are what bring deeds that are full of light, full of salt to people around you. Do not underestimate what your life and the things that flow from your mouth, your, your life or your mouth, their impact in the negative and the positive. Talking with my mom, she used to talk to him about Jesus all the time and she said, boy, if I could have done that over, I just would have just talked to him about Jesus, but I would have put more effort in just to being Jesus around him. And, and I learned that that day praying on the side of the road that years later we had that conversation. I believe that our deeds are important. I believe it's biblically mandated to feed the poor, to, to take care of the orphans and the widows and to do all these things. It's mandated by God's word. But the type of deeds that are going to bring praise to God, they're going to cause somebody to stop their life and consider who Jesus is. Man, are those deeds that are done and described from the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 through 12 when there's mourning when there's when there's a desire and a hunger for God when there's humility when there's a hunger and thirst for who God is when there uh, when there's a, a heart that is cultivated toward purity when there's a person working for peace when there's people watching you endure persecution and hardship those are so often the things that cause people to look to God and wonder about him and give him consideration and praise. And I, I'd like to pray for you this morning that some of you feel like you don't ever have the right words and you should seek the words. You need words to communicate Jesus to people. Don't misunderstand me. You need words. But boy, the, the power of somebody watching and tasting your life and seeing your life is so powerful. So could we stand together this morning? Father in heaven, I stand here and join um, our church family here today. And I say, Lord, thank you for their lives. Thank you for the people that they have impacted, touched, ministered to, loved, all, for some of them for so many years. And I prayed a renewed um, a renewed awareness, a renewed hunger, a renewed desire to see people come to know you, Jesus. Uh, not one that's manufactured by an event or some kind of a hype, but Lord, let there be just a hunger because of you working inside of us. Let there be a hunger for those that live closest to us or nearest to us to experience the salt and the light of our life because of you. God, use even our hardship, even our difficulty. Lord, would you use it today in a powerful way? God, would you use it today in a way that, that literally changes someone's life?
God, I thank you that humility in this room, if there's somebody in this room that needs to act humbly in a situation, use that to impact someone. Lord, if there's somebody in here that, that God needs to grow in hunger and thirsting for what's right, then God, let it happen in their life. If there's somebody in here that needs to show mercy in a fresh way, God, let it be done and let it bring the light of who you are. Lord, if there's somebody in here that needs to work for peace, and that's a great word to pair with peace, because sometimes everything inside of us wants to work against peace. We want to be right. We want to be recognized. We want to be correct. But Lord, there's somebody in here that needs to work for peace. Let it happen. And if there is someone here that's being persecuted for doing right or even for their faith, would you use that to bring praise and honor to who you are? Lord, bless them, anoint them, empower them today in an incredible way. We love you and we honor you and we thank you for your word that brings life to us. In the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen. God bless you. Have an incredible day.